Hi there, welcome to Mosaic Intercultural Church, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I'm the Executive Director and Pastor of Mosaic, and I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. If you want to learn more about Mosaic, you can find us online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. Well, amen. Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us in worship this evening. Thank you uh, for all those who are serving tonight. Thanks for the testimonies. Tonight, uh, we're actually coming close to the end of Easter season. We will wrap up Easter season next week with the Feast of Pentecost, which we are really looking forward to celebrating. But tonight will be our last time reflecting together on the book of 1 John. So let's pray, then I'll read the scripture, and then we'll talk about this amazing gift of eternal life that God has given us in Jesus Christ, his son. Father in heaven, we worship you, for you are good, and your mercy endures forever. Father, we worship you because you have shown us who you are, and you have given us life, and that life is in your Son. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would overwhelm us with the joy of that eternal life, that the goodness of the eternal life that you have given to us in Jesus, your Son, would sweep over us, God, that it would refresh our hearts and minds today, and that it would overflow to bless and to bring joy and life to others around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So our reading this evening is from 1 John chapter 5, verses 9 to 13. And, it's, and it goes like this. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. So I want to start with that last verse that we, that we read where John actually explains why he has written these things to the people that this letter has, has been taken to. And to us. He's written this to us as well. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. John's concern is that the people that read his letter would have this experience of knowing that the life that they have is the eternal life of God, that it's the real deal that it is what God has promised and it is what 
uh, like the greatest good that they could possibly experience. And it's interesting to me that 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 concern that they would experience and know that they have eternal life in Jesus motivates and compels this brother to write a letter to others. You know, for many of us, we might stress out about whether or not we have eternal life. We might ask the question, you know, am I, is what I believe true? Or um, have I really trusted God? Like, how do I know? I, you know, we, we, we look at our own lives and we can have these crises of faith. And we're like, I'm so broken and flawed. How can God really be alive in me? And our confidence can be shaken because we have doubts and we have weaknesses and it's difficult for us. And John knows that that's true. And John knows that the people that he's writing to actually have, specifically, they have people who have left their community and said, you guys are all believing a bunch of garbage. And what you're saying about Jesus, you know what? You guys are wrong. There's a much better spiritual life out there. And so John is writing to people who need to hear that, they, that what they know about Jesus, that their faith in Jesus, is, it, it's right that they have trusted Jesus. And, he, and it's good for them to be confident that Jesus truly has given them eternal life. And what's interesting to me, and you, you'll remember this if you've read through the letter with us, what's interesting to me is that John does not go on a long argument with his opponents. He doesn't list all of the bad beliefs that other people have and say this is why they're wrong. He doesn't do that. In fact, as we see tonight, what John points people to is the testimony, the witness of God himself in Jesus Christ. And he says, look at that. Listen to the testimony of God. And now for those of us who are concerned about whether or not we have eternal life, this is really helpful. It's helpful advice to say, don't look at yourself, look at God. When we get anxious about whether or not we have eternal life or whether or not the eternal life that we believe God offers us in Jesus is genuinely ours and genuinely real, if we just look at ourselves and we think, okay, am I believing all the right things? Am I repenting of my sin? If we look at ourselves, we will get lost in anxiety and stress and we will have no rest for our souls. Because what we're essentially saying is, if I can already prove that I'm right, then that will be the proof that God might have actually accepted me, that God might have given me his life. And it reverses the whole process. It's looking at the creature and saying is that the creature proves the goodness of the creator. And that's not, that's not the way it works. So when John says, Look at God. Look at what God has to say. Like, take that seriously and do that. Look at God. Look at God's testimony about Jesus. Look at God's testimony, the thing that God wants us to hear. And, and what is that testimony that God has given us? Well, God's testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and that life is in his Son. Now, we got to stop for a second and, and, and think about testimony and how testimony works. Because when you're in a situation where you hear a word like testimony that we do not use very much apart from, you know, on Saturday nights when people are giving their testimony about God and, and, and sharing their requests, sharing their experiences, uh, it's, it's easy to, to get confused. Like, what's he actually talking about? 
So to illustrate how, like why testimony is so important and why God's testimony is so amazing, I want to give you a couple of examples. The first one is from the kindergarten playground and the kindergarten classroom at any school here in London, Ontario. A couple of years ago, uh, the kindergartner in our life came home and was telling us all about Rainbow Loom. Rainbow Loom is this, um, it's like this uh, plastic grid with little posts on it and you get little plastics that are or little, little elastics that are awesome colors and you have a little hook and what you can do is you can put together these really beautiful necklaces and bracelets made out of elastic and you can create all sorts of awesome patterns and you can do more than just uh, bracelets and, and necklaces. You can make shapes and fish and all this kind of stuff. And so kindergartners come home to their parents and they're like, I need a rainbow loom. And you're like, well, why, how, why do you want a rainbow loom? Well, the answer is that they've experienced testimony. Testimony. They went to school and a friend that they like had a rainbow loom or they had like a bracelet. And they're like, ooh, I like your bracelet. And they're like, yeah, it's from my rainbow loom. And so the friend bore witness. They, 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 the friend testified. The friend gave a testimony about rainbow loom to this kindergartner from your house or my house. And now that kindergartner is like, I saw that thing. And it's great. You can do all these cool things, amazing shapes. And it looks so cool. The colors, they did this pattern like blue, pink, pink, green, blue, pink, pink, green. And, and then this kindergartner is so excited because they've, had a testimony from their friend, and they, they liked their friend. They got to see what the friend got to do with the rainbow loom. They had to contemplate it and behold it and see how good it is. And then they got to try it out for themselves. But when they, con when they heard their friend and when they saw the actual bracelet on their arm, something happened inside of the little kindergartner that you and I love so much. That little kindergartner began to want the rainbow loom. Their desire began to get aroused. And not only their desire, but they began to like, feel what their friend felt because their, friend, their friend's testimony was actually becoming their own experience. Their friend was giving the experience of how awesome rainbow loom is. Their friend was giving that away by telling a testimony, by telling them, this is Rainbow Loom, it's amazing, and you can have it for yourself. Now, let's go to another example about how, when testimony can be very powerful and really important for us. When people go into a new work situation, and uh, you know, you're, you're, you're new to the job, and you feel a little bit nervous, you don't know the people. And so you need somebody in that situation, like in your new workplace, to welcome you, and you need that person to be a guide. And sometimes you need that person to be a guide because a workplace is not actually safe. Because there are people in management or other people in your work, in your work environment who have bad attitudes or whose, whose behavior is actually really treacherous. Um, and so you need a friend that you trust who will give you testimony, trustworthy testimony about your workplace. And they'll be like, hey, uh, this person you can trust. This person's great. Listen to them. Follow their example. That person over there, like, do not be alone in a room with that guy. They'll be hands-on, and it's not going to be good. And watch out for this person because they kind of pull this trick time to time. 
And when, you, when you're new to, work, to a workplace, you don't know who to trust. And so when your friend comes alongside you and offers you some testimony about the workplace, think about what you feel. It's not the same as the kindergartner experiencing the joy of the, kinder, uh, of, of the rainbow loom. You come in and you're like, okay, all right, I appreciate that information, but your heart kind of like, just kind of like check it out, right? So then you're like, maybe the person that's telling me this is trustworthy, maybe they're for me, maybe, maybe I can really trust them, but I'm not sure. So I'm going to watch carefully what's happening in my workplace. And so you do. And you realize over time, okay, this person's telling me the truth. And so then when that person tells you something else, then what happens is when they tell something to you, you take that thought and their thoughts become your thoughts. And they tell you, hey, this thing happened. You're like, okay, that thing happened. I'm going to take that into account. And the people that they trust, you will trust. And the people that they suspect, you will suspect. And the people that they uh, reject, you'll be like, I'm not going to trust that person either. Because you trust this person's testimony. Not just because you trust the person themselves, but, but because you have experienced these things. You have heard it from them. They are like you. You have watched for yourself. And it makes sense. You've tasted it for yourself. Testimony is important. Without people like that in our lives, without trustworthy people, we don't know what to do. We need, as human beings, we need community to guide us. So how does this connect with this, with this word that John gives to the church about trusting the testimony of God about Jesus, his son? Well, what it means, if God is actually giving us testimony, it means that God himself is speaking. And God is like that friend who is on the playground or who is in the workplace. And God is whispering to us. And God is not controlling us. He is not saying to us, if you do not do this, if you do not trust me, then I'm going to crush you. That is not how God works. What God is saying is, listen to my testimony. Listen to my testimony. And God is saying to us, I am giving you life in Jesus, my son. I'm giving you eternal life. That life is in Jesus, my son. And just like you would with your friend in, on the playground or with your friend at work, you're like, really? Hmm, that's interesting. Then you might ask God, well, how are you like me? Because when you got a kindergarten with a kindergartner and they like each other, then of course, they're like, yeah, I want that. I want what you want. And when you've got a, somebody who's a peer at work, then you've got a bond. But what bond do we have with the creator of the universe? What bond? The creator is invisible, omnipotent. The creator is infinitely, infinitely beyond us. We, we are here maybe 80, 90, 100 years, maybe less. And then we die. What bond do we have with the creator? Well, the bond that we have with the Creator is Jesus Christ, His Son, who is fully God and fully human, who took on our nature. And that is what allows the Creator to give us, as human beings, His life. That is why the life, the life of God, is in His Son. Because if, 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 if it were simply that we were like all other creatures on the face of the earth, and did not participate in God's very life because Jesus became uh, fully God and fully human, then we wouldn't actually be able to have eternal life in God. God would not be able to give us life, right? 
because God is so infinitely different than us. But because he has taken on human flesh, because God has taken our human life and our human nature into himself, God can give us life. He can be the one who is like, I, like, I, I am like you. You can trust me. And this is what it says in the book of Hebrews, right? That Jesus knows our weakness. Why? Because he was tempted in every way, just like we are. And therefore, he is able to help us in our time of need because he became one of us. And so he is just like a trustworthy friend in the workplace or on the playground. He says, I can give you life. And you listen to him. You listen to that testimony. God says, I'm giving you life. That life is in my son. And you're like, really? Okay. Okay. Well, if you're like me, if you became a human being like me, if you know what it's like to struggle as a human being, if you know what it's like to be hungry and thirsty, to look around at this broken world and to feel like you're just one person in the midst of this vast, broken thing, and you, and, and, and you actually care and you are infinitely greater than all of that, okay, I'll listen. I'll listen. But then, just like when, when you listen, like when you, uh, when you hear this advice from a friend or when you get a rainbow loom, you got to look at it. You take your time and you behold it. So John is saying, like, behold the testimony of God. Look at Jesus. Look at him. Read the scriptures. Look at his life in the church. Look at what happens when he is alive in a community. Contemplate it. Look at Jesus. Hear God's testimony with your eyes, with your, with your hands, with your experience. And see if it doesn't arouse your desire. See if it doesn't arouse your hope. Contemplate it. Contemplate God's testimony. Because what happens when we contemplate something, when we fix our attention on it? We take it into ourself. It's remarkable. And then just like on the playground, when you've got the rainbow loom, you contemplate the thing, you're like, I want it. What happens is as you listen to your friend's testimony, you think like them. You're like, this will be fun. This is going to be great. Or just like in the workplace when your friend is warning you. You're like, okay, I'm going to, like you, you take in your friend's thoughts. You hear your friend's voice in your head, right? That's what it's like when we listen to God's testimony. God's voice speaks to us. God interprets reality for us. He tells us what's trustworthy and what's not. And we begin to think like him. We begin to take in his perspective and live with his, uh, his wisdom in our situation. That's what happens when we take in testimony. And then when we live out that wisdom, when we listen to the voice of God and we respond and we're living with the life of Jesus, well, what happens? Our experience proves to be true. Proves to be true that God's eternal life is ours. We taste it for ourselves, we experience it for ourselves, and we go deeper. And so this, this beautiful invitation that John gives to people to say, hey, I want you to know that you have eternal life in Jesus Christ, so I want you to go and listen to the testimony of God that he has given us about his son. It's actually an invitation to be completely filled with the life of God because the testimony of God is not just information about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But the testimony of God is the very experience of the life of Jesus Christ within us, transforming us, shaping our desires, transforming the way that we see things, and leading us into new experiences 
that are filled with the life of God. Again, the testimony that God gives us about his son, Jesus Christ, is not just information about Jesus. It is actually the experience of the life of Jesus Christ in us, transforming our hearts and minds, our desires, and everything that we experience. And in that way, he fills us with his eternal life. It's amazing. And of course, if we, if, if we gaze on Jesus, if we gaze on this God, and we, and we look at God's testimony, one of the things that comes through loud and clear is that God wants to give us life. He has given us life in Jesus Christ. And so here's the thing. If you want eternal life in Jesus, it's because you were created for eternal life in Jesus, but it's, and that is because God created you to receive eternal life in Jesus because God wants to give it to you, which means that you should be confident that you have eternal life because God must give you what he wants to give you. God must give you eternal life because God desires to give you eternal life. God made you for it. He made you for eternal life. And he loves you so much. And the confidence, the confidence to say, okay, I have eternal life, does not come from you being right about everything, being a perfect performer, or anything like that. It comes out of contemplating, receiving the testimony of God and realizing God wants me to have this so badly. And he has absolutely given it to me in his son. This is God's nature. God who is life in himself and is all love has given me that life out of that love. Because that's who God is. And that, friends, is consolation and hope in the middle of really difficult circumstances. In the middle of this life, which is in, at, at one and the same time so beautiful and so broken, so brilliantly dazzling and so disgusting, the reality that our Creator is giving us His eternal life in Jesus Christ is hope, it is power, it is joy, it is perseverance, it is abundance. And Jesus said that he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Now, this week as I was preparing, uh, I went to uh, a favorite author who is not really, I mean, he's an author. He was a pastor for a while back in the 1800s in Scotland. And um, he actually was a very poor man for a lot of his life. And yet he wrote. He wrote a lot, and his writings have had a significant amount of influence. And I've been really encouraged but also challenged by his writing because he, um, because he sees things on a deep level. And in my comfortable Canadian life, um, he speaks words that I need to hear. And so I want to invite you to consider a couple of lines from this guy. His name is George MacDonald. Again, this this Scottish poor former pastor who, uh, was an, who became an author. And listen to what he says about us and this life of God. He says this. 
The person to whom God is all in all, who feels their life roots hid with Christ in God, who knows themselves to be the inheritor of all wealth and worlds and ages, yes, of power, essential, and in itself, that person has begun to be alive indeed. The person to whom God is all in all, who feels their life roots hid with Christ in God, who knows themselves to be the inheritor of all wealth and all worlds and ages, yes, of power essential and in itself, that person has begun to live indeed. That's what it's like when we listen to the testimony of God. And the testimony of God fills us. It's like our roots go down into the beautiful soil of God himself and God's life nourishes us and we begin to live truly. And then he says this, if we will but let our God and Father work his will with us, there can be no limit to his enlargement of our existence, to the flood of life with which he will overflow our consciousness. If we will but let our God and Father work his will with us, there can be no limit to his enlargement of our existence, to the flood of life with which he will overflow our consciousness. So friends, I know that we are in the middle of a season where we feel dry and cracked, where we are lonely, where we are suffering, where people around us are experiencing incredibly difficult things on the global scale and also in our workplaces. I know the challenges that we face when we go to work day by day. I know how tired we are when work is over and it's time to come home and love the people around us in our house. But friends, God has given us eternal life in his And even in those circumstances that threaten to burn us out and destroy us, that threaten to overwhelm us, and that threaten to lead us down into, into sin and to despair, if we will make God our all in all, if we will allow God our Father to work his will with us, what will happen is that God will enlarge our existence. There will be no limit to the flood of life with which God will overflow our consciousness. Because God has given us eternal life, and that life is in his Son. My prayer today is that you would know it deep within your soul, that he has given it to you, and that it is yours. Amen. You have been listening to a sermon podcast from Mosaic Intercultural Church in London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I want to thank you for joining us. If you want to find out more about Mosaic and about the work that we do, please check us out online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. Music